Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week I want to tackle the, the topic I have all the time that's always brought up. If I only have a small amount of money, does it make more sense to buy one rental property in cash or one pro- rental property financed? So let's let's try and dig down into this. There's a lot of different parts. I have lots of notes here to go over. So let's try and break that down. What makes the most sense to do? Um, it's not a cut and dry sort of answer that you can just base it on one thing, which is what I often hear is people base it strictly on cash flow or whatever. There's a lot of different things. Um, right now, uh, as everybody knows, we're doing a lot of, we're going through coronavirus, right? So let's start with liabilities. So. For the hypothetical uh, problem we're doing, we're trying to break down, let's talk about 35000 US dollars in cash. Um, but it's, a lot of people aren't actually dealing with cash, even when they talk about cash. So in our hypothetical, we're going to say we're using a line of credit from Canada. So we're going to say that line of credit is, oh, I don't know, forty-five dollars or $50,000, whatever that works out to in American. I have not done that math. So, and you know what? Someone might listen to this podcast in a year and it might be at par. So anyway, $35,000 US, you have. $35,000 we're going to use just because it's a nice number that works good into a lot of things. So you have $35,000 US. Let's first talk about liabilities. So we're in coronavirus time, like I said. What's the difference? Well, either way, you have that $35,000 liability. So you're going to have to pay that line of credit payment no matter which strategy you're doing. So you have that payment, so that's even, even. The difference is if you're financing that $35,000 into say a $100,000 property, that means you have a $65,000 loan as well in the US. And if you have that, so you're gonna have to pay that mortgage as well. So the big problem with coronavirus is, are these tenants gonna pay during this situation? Um, Right now, we haven't heard about any tenant bailouts um, yet, at least on all I'm aware of. Um, there, I know there's some talk about the banks uh, giving some breaks and stuff, but that may not apply to us as Canadians in the, in the States. So let's f- throw that all out the window. What if your tenants stop paying? Well, you're going to have to, you're going to be on the hook for that $65,000 loan that you took on that $100,000 property. So that's one difference. That's one simple thing to talk about. So uh, $65,000 loan, let's say it works out to like five or 600 bucks a month. That's five or 600 bucks a month US that you may be on the hook for if you're doing the difference. So maybe that may, if you're very conservative, that may make more sense to go with an all cash purchase, um, especially during the coronavirus time. Um, but anyway, there's a lot of things to tackle here. If that's one thing, you are going to have more liability by using leverage. But one thing we're kind of skipping over is the, the pillars of real estate, right? Like, why are people buying rental properties to start with? Why do real estate? Well, appreciation. Appreciation you're going to get in both both kinds of properties, right? Actually, let's go over the, the four things quick, and then we'll come back and drill down into each one. Appreciation, depreciation, uh, mortgage pay down, and cash flow are the, the main four. So... If we're going to do appreciation, which properties are going to appreciate more? We all know this. Appreciation is going to go to the more uh, 
$100,000 style properties. They will appreciate at a higher rate. They're in a better market. That's why they're 100,000, the other ones are 35. At one point, they were a lot closer. And over time, as appreciations are higher in better neighborhoods and lower in other neighborhoods, that's why it'll slowly get, the, the, the gap keeps getting bigger and bigger between these properties. And that's why there's $35,000 neighborhoods and $700,000 neighborhoods. It's the, the appreciation level is, is at different levels and it's just gonna get way out of whack. So you will get higher appreciation with, higher, with um, the $100,000 property. Uh, not cut and dry still. Depreciation, basically the same. That's, that's a wash. I'm not even really going to tackle that. Mortgage pay down. Um, are you going to be making equity um, from the $35,000 cash? Nope. You're not going to get any appreciation. Or sorry, you're not going to get any mortgage pay down when you're dealing with those. Um, so, but this isn't, this isn't the whole game, right? We're, we're not, we're not in, we're not in the business of just looking for appreciation, are we? So the bigger thing is cash flow. What, which properties are going to cash flow better? The number one real reason of like how it's going to cash flow is how good of deal finder are you? That's number one, right? But if you're, um, depending on what your deal level is, Basically, a $35,000 property will cash flow better than a $100,000 property. Um, I've talked about this in, I think, basically anytime I do a full rundown of rent-to-value ratios. And as the, uh, <clears throat> as the price goes down, the rent goes up in perspective. So say like a $35,000 property may rent for $700,000. Whereas a hundred thousand dollar property may rent for a thousand or eleven hundred around the one percent rule, right? It all depends on how good deal finder are. I I do way better than that. But like as a general rule, if you're just looking on the MLS, that is what you'll find. So you will cash flow better as using the cheaper properties. So is this cut and dry? No, we're still not there. The tenant class. This also kind of goes to the coronavirus. Back to that. So. Why does that matter? Why would coronavirus have anything to do with tenant class and $35,000 property versus $100,000 property? It's true that more of the 35, people who are living in the $35,000 type houses are hourly. Whereas people who are in the $100,000 property that are renting uh, these properties, and you're making sure your property manager is getting like three times the rent, right? So they're renting these properties for, we'll just use basic $1,000 a month. So they're making at least $3,000 a month US. So they're likely on salary, right? So how does that play out? A lot of times during this coronavirus, people are still getting paid if they're on salary. Whereas hourly, if you don't show up, you don't get paid. So there may be a little bit more liability uh, with having these $35,000 price houses. So it's a, it's a toss up, right? Because we just literally just talked about the opposite thing, right? That it was a little, you have less loans to deal with by having the $35,000. So it's, it's, it's whatever is, um, what, what's important to you is the main thing. Um, next thing, can you refinance? Which, which of these properties can you refinance? This is another important thing for real estate, right? Like you want to grow your portfolio. If you only, especially if you're starting and you only have $35,000 US, if you go buy this $35,000 property, you got cash, you got a nice cash flow, especially because you don't have any leverage on it. You have a higher rent to value ratio. But how do you get your second property? I don't know. 
you're you're basically stuck you're not it's going to be really hard really really hard to refinance a $35,000 property um, so that's going to be very difficult to do so throw that out the window you got the $100,000 property you got a $65,000 loan on it you know basically if we're talking about turnkey um, it's gonna be still hard to uh, refinance you're basically gonna be having hoping that the market goes up and you make some more uh, equity that you can refinance again um, I'll get into what I do at the end but you can you can still refinance it is in the acceptable rate uh, ra the range sorry the range of purchase prices or value that you can refinance at so that might be valuable to, to be thinking about that because you just have more options and maybe um, you know say you're stuck at the 65% loan to value well maybe you can find once you got some more experience they'll offer you a loan that's cheaper like um, so maybe you started off at seven or eight percent and then after a couple of years of investing you can get a loan at like five or six percent so hey that's another way to refinance get some money out or at least bring your cash flow up so it's an option you have that option by buying the more expensive property um, renovation so can you renovate both these properties obviously obviously you can but uh, a $35,000 house if you go and drop 40,000 into it you're like at 75,000 that neighborhood may not support 75,000 the same thing happens with the hundred thousand but there is a little bit more wiggle room as you get into those neighborhoods that you might be able to um, force some appreciation um, but it's gonna be trickier with the $35,000 cash and you're not like I said before refinance isn't gonna matter because you can't refinance that $35,000 property so you you might be able to move push the put some more money into it raise the rent up but your money's still stuck in the property another thing to think about is these neighborhoods right because like I, I, I touched on this before but a $35,000 neighborhood versus a hundred thousand dollar neighborhood well, why are these properties $35,000 right something to think about um, well we talked about a few things like the the appreciation rates are different and everything else but in all likelihood the big driving factors through these neighborhoods is crime in school zones. So you're going into higher crime zones and low rated schools. So you're gonna have, remember that, that's what you're getting for tenants too. People um, are gonna be more, <laughs> more drawn to going to the higher school zones. They want to live in the higher school zones. They want their kids to go to the best school or a decent school in town. and school zones are different than Canada Canada is pretty close on the level like there's not much difference between schools there is differences I know some of them are newer some of them are, but not like in the US there is massive differences between the schools so that's another thing to think about who you're getting in these properties another type. and all these things so we've been kind of talking about buy and hold real estate this whole time but that's not the only strategy that people use for real estate there's lots of strategies right I'll touch on some like four of these here that I just wrote down um, so a lease option does a lease option work in both of these strategies right now now that we're getting into we've been listening to this podcast for a while we're starting to get into some more uh, higher level strategies lease option does it work for both well yeah it, it does the only thing that concerns me um, with doing a lease option which I touched on with the interview with Brooke is if you have a $35,000 property 
and you do a lease option. Say you're asking for 10% down. You're not asking for much money, right? You're really asking for like $3,500 for, for the lease option, for the option off the start, uh, the deposit. So they have skinned the game, but not enough, right? Um, and the problem is, is if they can't pay you because they're their job or whatever, and we saw this firsthand when we were in Kansas City, that what tenants could do when they don't have the money is sell the furnace, sell the water heater, sell stuff in the property to pay you your lease off, like your lease payment every month so that they don't lose their lease option deposit. And, and then they realize they get themselves in such a bad spot that well, why do they even want this property? It doesn't even have a furnace or a water heater. We went into properties that they don't have a water heater because they sold it. They don't have a furnace because they sold it. So what happens is they just walk away and you go, well, I got $3,500 as my option off the start, the deposit. And you go, well, furnace is probably going to cost me that. Water heater is going to cost me. I'm going to be over. I'm going to lose money by doing this. So it's, it's, it's a little bit scarier. So, oh, on the flip side, maybe I just charge more. So I'm going to charge $10,000 as a deposit on a $35,000 house. Wait, wait, you're up at like 25% you're asking down. Why would they do that? They can go to the bank and get a loan on a property. They can go get an FHA loan, which is like 3% down. Why would they put 25% down for your house? It better be amazing. And why would they do that? Why, why would they want to put that in. People who have $10,000 like to leverage, especially tenants if they're going into their first house. They don't want to live in a $35,000 house if they have $10,000. They're going to leverage that. They'll go get a 3% FHA, three percent down FHA loan and they will go buy a $150,000 house. That's what they're going to do if they are the kind of people that have saved up $10,000. So that lease option, it's, it's not very practical. Um, so uh, lease options more, uh, it makes more sense to do with a more expensive property. You can ask a little bit more money up front. Um, you, you have people who are in a better school zone. They're going to want to stay in the school zone. They want their kids to stay in the school zone. They have a, a little bit more riding on the whole thing. Okay, let's move on to flips. Can you do flips in both neighborhoods? Yeah. Like, with the same thing when we're talking about school zones, crime, everything. It will be easier to do in a $100,000 neighborhood. You can do flips anywhere, though. Um, you just got to remember that a market caps out at a certain rate, a certain price. So you can really only go so high. Um, the same thing happens in a 100 k neighborhood. It's just as you get the opposite is when you're doing flips, as you get into more expensive neighborhoods, there's more gap from house one house to the next house. Like, in some of the cheap neighborhoods, really, they're all... 30, dilapidated, 40, fixed up. But it, it varies. Every neighborhood's different. But in, say, you go up, move up in price and say a $100,000 neighborhood, the $100,000 is dilapidated and $200,000 is fixed up. So there's a little bit more room for doing uh, the flips in there. But you could do it in either neighborhood. Um, and we, we've actually done it in both neighborhoods. Totally doable. Um, buy and hold. Uh yeah, obviously. We just talked about it. You can do both sides. There isn't a right answer. Both ways, both ways work. I don't know. It's uh, it depends what's important to you. There's a lot of advantages to doing the more expensive ones, but there's a lot more cash flow by doing the lower ones, and it's a little bit easier to get the high cash flow. Uh, you better be a good deal finder. 
to buy them at $100,000 because you're just buying turnkey properties. You're going to get your 10% and the 1% rule, and if anything breaks, you didn't make any money. So you need, you need. I personally think you need to have more buffer in there, um, but you still do well. You'll still do better buying turnkey in the states than turnkey in Canada. So let's talk about burrs. The burrs are gonna work. You know what? They work both. Where they work good with both. Um, and it really, it it's hard to say. Define it based on purchase price because it's like what the actual value is. Um, we we're doing one right now with a, a burr with a lease option, and we bought just for some rough numbers. We bought it for thirty five thousand dollars, a reno of fifteen to twenty thousand dollars, and we had our refi pegged at ninety thousand dollars. We had some problems with appraisals, so we got an appraisal for one hundred twenty, which wasn't a good appraisal because you can't actually sell it for one hundred twenty. <laughs> but um, we're we're putting it into a lease option at a hundred grand, so that. That is a $35,000 property that we've turned into a great deal, um, in my opinion. Anyway, I don't know what your deal criteria is, but for us, we can uh, perfect burr that um, when the reno's done, which it is, and we're working on the refi, and we can get a nice chunk of cash when it sells, when the lease option's done as well. Um, so the JV gets all their money back, or my, not my JV, my partners, they get the money back, and uh, it, it works good for everybody. Um, so that one, it can work. And that was the $35,000 property. So do burrs work on $35,000 properties? Absolutely. Do they work on $100,000 properties? Absolutely. I think you can do this with both. And I think it's really about running your numbers and making sure that it all makes sense. A lot of those times, if you're just buying stuff on the MLS for what it's actually worth, it's hard to make any of this stuff work. I, I don't know. I, you, there is stuff on the MLS that you can find deals, but you need to get a deal like a deal is oh this is going to side rant altogether but a lot of people call a deal just the purchase of a property is a deal a deal should be a great deal so you should you need to be buying it at a discount you need to be buying it at a discount so this isn't what i was planning on covering on this but i on this episode but i thought i should touch it so if i want to find a deal i'll just tell you straight up what my criteria is I tell all my wholesalers, because you'll talk to wholesalers too, and they'll say, what's your deal criteria? And I'll say, I want a property at, so the formula for them, find the, what the after repair value is. I want it at 65 cents on the dollar, and then subtract the renovations, and then subtract a buffer for if things go bad. And so basically, a $100,000 property, uh, $65,000 minus $20,000 reno, 45000 is the most I'd pay for that property, plus some reno, some um, closing cost money, and some, oh, if stuff goes wrong money. So, yeah, I want a $100,000 property for, like, $40,000. Um, are you going to find that on the MLS, even dilapidated? It's going to be tough, and it's probably going to have to be really dilapidated, and you better know what you're doing because um, they have things we don't have as much of up here, um, like termites. <laughs> we, we've been running into those. Anyway, there's my completely side rant. So in conclusion, $35,000 house or $100,000 house with 35% down? Which is better? I buy both. I think the real answer is to buy both. <laughs> diversify. I always say this with mutual funds, diversify. Have 
different things. Have ones that cash flow but have this disadvantage. Have ones that have a little slightly less cash flow but they have more advantage on this side. Maybe you'll get some appreciation. One get cash flow. And if you can balance the whole thing, it'll make your life a little less stressful. So I think that's that's my personal philosophy is to have both. Um, anyway, um, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, tune in again next week. If you need to contact me, it's glenn at glennsutherland.com. Thanks, everybody.